1: We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com.
2: Welcome to Spill and Dish, a podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is a leading trade association and source of information about the $194 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and buyers who are making up the specialty food world. If you want to know more about membership, visit specialtyfood.com. While on the site, check out the Maker Prep Course, a 12-step online program that will teach you how to take your specialty food product to the next level. In each podcast episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping to shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question, what makes specialty food special? I'm today's host, George Hajar, Associate Editor at SFA. We're excited to bring you today's episode and so happy to be working with Heritage Radio Network a nonprofit podcast network covering the world of food, drink, and agriculture, and expanding the way eaters think about food. We're joined today by our guest, Pete Marzik, CEO of Marzik Fine Foods. Based in Denver, the market emphasizes high-quality ingredients sourced locally from family farms and internationally as well. Welcome. We're so excited to have you on the show.
3: Thank you, George. Happy to be here.
2: So let's dive right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about how Marzik Fine Foods came to be?
3: Yeah, it, was, it really was the result, uh, the, the product of a uh, massive fit of despair. Um, I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was really frustrated in Denver that mm-hmm. I couldn't get all the ingredients that I wanted for a nice meal at one spot. I had mm-hmm. to go here for the bread, there for the fish, over here for the produce. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could combine those elements in, a, in one spot where people could gather and uh, get, get the food they needed? I was a stockbroker at the time. I mm-hmm. was a broker at Merrill Lynch and I was mm-hmm. I still sell stock. It's just now I sell chicken stock. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, uh, it was a product of a couple years of work that my wife and I put in to get to a place where um, we could get the doors open mm-hmm. and I thought the work I thought that was the, when the work ended, once you got the doors open, what I realized was that's when the work began. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So what are your favorite parts of running the company? You know, uh, people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on uh, one hand, it's, you know, it's some of the toughest stuff, but it's also the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, quick story, we went out to dinner with a former employer, a former employee of ours last night. And he's mm-hmm. he hasn't been with us for about six years, but he spent the first hour of the dinner telling us all the stuff he learned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which was really rewarding mm-hmm. you know that's super rewarding we, we really love our customers we have a great team um and obviously working with the products we work with i mean we, we work legitimately with absolutely some of the best food in the world mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's our product mix yeah and so it's just really wonderful to be able to um work with p- producers and suppliers and uh you know, treat Denver to some of the best stuff anywhere in the world. Yeah, I can imagine how that would be very rewarding. Yeah. Um, and being
2: able to sort of accomplish that niche that you needed filled for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you talk about your former employees and that sort of like community network that you've helped to build with both your the producers uh, that you work for work with and the employees that you work with. Um, I know that like community is also at the heart of Marzix Fine Foods um, with like a lot of special events that happen throughout the year. Um, how do you feel that like community building helps helps your business?
3: Well, you know, it's one of those things, it's like advertising, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you know some of it's working, you just don't know which part. Yeah. Um, but the community building, you know, candidly, we started one, one of our, our, probably our signature event is our Friday night burger nights. Mm-hmm. And we started that in 'o two. Um, and it was because we, we didn't have any business like mm-hmm. people weren't shopping at our store. Mm-hmm. They didn't. That's when we opened. And we were new, and we had this new line of meats. We've we've had Nyman Ranch meats since we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to. I just wanted to figure out a way to get this in people's mouths. Mm-hmm. I knew that if I could do that. I knew that it would kind of be like the gateway drug, right? Even just ground beef, just a burger that tastes so perfect with salt and pepper um, and nothing else. And that's that was uh, the burger nights are we'll do, you know, this coming summer. We'll have burger nights where we serve four hundred and twenty people, you know, in in the space of two hours yeah I yeah. mean it's it's really amazing cooked over live fire mm-hmm. but our neighbors come in some of them bring a bottle of wine or a bottle of beer and they sit in mm-hmm. our table some of them sit on the grass some of them sit in their tailgates yeah and it's just a thing you mm-hmm. know um and I think it really you know it serves as a way to bring people together around food around an occasion mm-hmm. outdoors mm-hmm. they meet their neighbors they you know, it's just it's it's a it's a happy fest, you know, yeah. and it may, puts people in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Good good food, good mood, and yeah. uh, you know that's that's really nice. It's yeah. nice, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, just being a, a neighborhood market. Is kind of a community thing. Um, we our neighbors tell us all the time. You know, we're so glad you're in our neighborhood. I can walk here from my house. Yeah. Before you were here, I had to drive. You know, and so those are. That's all very rewarding. And we have mm-hmm. a we have a really good community in Denver, and we have a great community of employees as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Do you feel the company has like changed, transformed, grown in what ways
3: since you started? Both literally and absolutely. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So we've certainly grown mm-hmm. in terms of revenue mm-hmm. and maturity in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I mean, we, we do things a lot differently than we did when we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest change has been going from a really precious curated product mix to a really accessible curated product mix. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a big change. Um, and we've just added SKUs through the years. We mm-hmm. haven't added space, so we've, you know, we've added SKUs. We've densified our product mix. I think the other thing, probably the biggest physical change in our business over the years has been that when we first opened, we didn't do any prepared foods. We didn't make sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were a fresh market. So yeah. fresh meat, fish, poultry... Vegetables, other ingredients, um, and we learned very quickly that that was not going to fly with mm-hmm. our customers. They wanted more convenience-added foods. Mm-hmm. They wanted more um, more preparation done. They wanted to buy sandwiches, and that has become a big part of our business. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest change over time. Um, that you know outward change.
2: Yeah yeah and it's it's interesting like it's a very good idea to listen to what your consumers want as well and sort of respond to respond to
3: them the con the customer is the boss yeah (laughs) so people it was funny you know when i first started people say oh so you're gonna go work for yourself i'm like i'll be working for you
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) yeah you know it's really true i mean we go to work each day to provide a great experience and great value for our customers and our neighbors.
0: So mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: They're, they're our boss. Mm-hmm. That actually ties into uh, a talk that you had given at the Winter Fancy Food Show. You were talking about when you are sourcing some new SKUs of products, you can know within the first week whether or not a, a product will
3: succeed based off of like which SKUs people choose. Things like that. Totally, it's a really good point, and I just uh, I just gave a little chat on how I buy mm-hmm. here, and um, that's one of the things I talked about. You know, we know so quickly. You know, I say I, a week. It's we give we give new products usually like ninety days to prove out, and we know in the first nine days which one we already know what our reorder is going to look like. Yeah, you yeah. know, you just know, and it's, and it's anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, that's a really important part of our business though because it's easy to buy and bring things in mm-hmm. and you know it's like it's like you can hire a bunch of people nobody it's easy to hire somebody but it's really hard to fire somebody you know yeah. you don't want to yeah. and products are that way right so you know you bring something in you want it to work you're invested in it you've made a deal you've got a relationship with the distributor or the supplier or the maker and you don't want to you don't want to just cut it out but you only have so much room <laughs> yeah of course that makes sense so shifting gears a little bit to the goings-on
2: in the specialty food world in general, uh, what are some trends that you see on the horizon for this year?
3: We're, we're probably the least trendy market mm-hmm. on the planet. Um, honestly, we're, we're very uh, rooted in traditional, uh, high-quality foods, right? Mm-hmm. Like We don't do a lot of fad stuff. Um, however... One of the things we are seeing, we're just seeing a shift to a couple couple things. Fresher, smaller portions, Mm -hmm. more plant-based, more sustainable. People are really digging deeper into labels than they ever have Mm -hmm. or claims. Um, You know, it's one of the things I like to say, it's like organic, you know, that's almost become ubiquitous. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can find an organic anything. I, Mm -hmm. I think you could probably find, Organic Pringles, yeah. Um, So, but but people are really there's there's a shift to quality, um, and people are trading. You know, when 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 with the with the inflationary environment we've been in, the cost of food's gone up, so people are trading down in portion size, but they're not trading down in quality, Mm -hmm. which we find Mm -hmm. that pretty pretty. We're we're we're, that's our story, and we're sticking to it.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. Um, when sourcing specialty products, what are some qualities that you typically look for? Is it these value-added um, attributes that you were talking about before?
3: So we we really take a very broad approach to that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's got to have some shelf appeal. It's got to have a good price point. We have to plausibly get it trialed by our customers. So we have to, you know, if it's a $30 thing, um, you know, aardvark pate or something like that we 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 would have a hard time selling that so Mm -hmm. it has to be it has to fit and uh it's one of those things it's like it's like meeting someone and you kind of know if you're going to get along or not pretty quickly Uh, products are kind of like that for us right we know if we're gonna we we kind of have a good sense if it's gonna fit or not Mm -hmm. pretty quick
2: Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um what are your thoughts on private label do you feel that private label portfolio can complement the specialty food industry, or do you feel like it
3: poses a, a potential threat? Or, well, private label is a really important category for us. We mm-hmm. only have we only have a, a maybe two dozen items that we private label, but there are two dozen best moving items mm-hmm. in the store, and mm-hmm. they're all best in category for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But they complement our our specialty mix, and candidly. Our private label items are of or better quality than anything else we sell. We just buy them in a quantity enough, and we have you know negotiated. uh, We've negotiated with our producers and co-packers on that, so that we we're able to deliver those products. You know, kind of right at the sweet spot value point. Mm -hmm. So they do very well for us. And Mm -hmm. I you know I do I think that other retailers out there that have you know enough volume to be able to do that. Uh, to do a private label cost effectively, it's, it's absolutely an area to explore because mm-hmm. you, you know, we do our, our, private label olive oil is outsells our olive oil set. And we probably have 25 oils in our set.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It outsells our set two to one. Yeah. So, so one product sells double all the others, yeah, you yeah. know, so it's, uh, it's meaningful. Yeah, that's meaningful.
2: Yeah, and you had uh, talked about before how people are trading down in some categories to go up in others, and it's nice that like private label offers the option for someone to not sacrifice quality while still be able, being able to trade down price for something. Yeah, for something else that that they hold more near and dear. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, talking about um, your position as a retail operator, what skills do you feel are key to working? At in like the independent retail space,
3: four ears and no mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You know
3: that old expression: God gave you two ears and one mouth for mm-hmm. a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be four ears and no mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, you just really have to listen. Um, it is hard work. And and look, look, anybody who's listening, who's in retail or especially food retail, you know it's hard work. And you know. We respect what you all do out there so much because I don't think the world understands, you know, how how early you have to start and how late you have to stay and yeah. how much you have to do during the day to just keep keep the stores looking nice, keep yeah. you know, employees happy, customers yeah. happier, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a challenging business for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, yeah, so as I had mentioned before, i caught some of your your how I buy talk, and I loved the bit about that kill zone area in the grocery store, like grocery store aisle shelf. Um, do you have any other like advice for emerging independent, especially operators, about like just going on in the store things that you may have not known before working in the in the
3: space? Yeah, I, I would say. Um... When it comes to like product mix and product selection, um, don't be afraid to fire products. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you know, you really have to get to that place where you're getting a blended velocity through your product mix so that everything's moving. Um, and that just takes paying attention. We use a lot of data to do that. Um, the other thing is uh, trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Number one thing I would say is trust yourself. Our first year was a disaster. I hired a bunch of people who were all smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And they legitimately were smarter than me, but it, they weren't me. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had a vision and uh, my wife had a vision that we shared. And we hired a bunch of people who, you know, because we weren't terribly experienced, I had a lot of knowledge, but not much experience. Um, they were able to kind of get us off point, if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't do that. That'll never work. Oh, you don't know, you don't understand. And we're doing all that stuff now. yeah, <laughs> but I had to I had to learn that they were they were wrong about that. They're still smart and mm-hmm. good people, but I knew what I wanted and, and I would say to anybody if you're thinking about getting into specialty retail or if you're in it now and you you have a gut feeling about something, trust it. Mm-hmm. Do trust yourself. Mm-hmm. You know you're you're you know you mm-hmm. know the answer. You don't need somebody telling you a different answer because you know the answer. You know it's so important to trust yourself. Um, and and uh, I would say that's the, probably the biggest thing I could say is you know go with it. If you yeah. if you believe it and if it pencils out and you have some customer buy-in go for it and mm-hmm. stick to it you know and I we the other thing is don't quit too soon on something we usually give if we try a program or a, uh, a new line of products or something we're we're always sort of it, it what what whatever's happening today is a result of what we were doing six months ago not yesterday or six days ago mm-hmm. it's six months ago so mm-hmm give stuff about six months to marinate before you kill it. Yeah. Unless you know, unless your gut says, Mm -hmm. "Ah, it's not going to work. Bad idea. Mm -hmm. It probably is. That makes sense. Um, and I know that you definitely get sent so many
2: specialty products that you have to sample time and time again, or that you choose whether to strategically whether or not it works for your brand. Um, what makes some of these brands that stand out? Do you feel packaging the fit for your, for your company? Where, where is your mind first?
3: Yeah, so I'll give you a great example. I was thinking about this for uh, last night. I looked at a I looked at a mustard here yesterday mm-hmm. that was in about a it was in a, about an eleven inch very narrow jar, mm-hmm. and I thought I looked at it and I said, ergonomically for the customer, that's going to be really difficult mm-hmm. because by the time they get halfway down, they're going to get a butter knife dirty up the up the handle. yeah, And in my mustard set, it I have to put it on a different shelf because all the mustards are small. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's a silly example, but it, it really comes down to, there's so many factors, right? What does the package look like? Is it Does it have shelf appeal? Is mm-hmm. it beautiful? Does it catch your eye? Can you see the product? Um, I, I remember a, a pasta I fell in love with a number of years ago, and it was this beautiful Italian pasta. And it had this like, box with a window, but it had a door over the window. So oh, wow. it was like a box with a door. And so you, it would stand on the shelf. You'd have to take it off the shelf, open the door to see the pasta. And I told the guy, he was like, can we just cut the door off? And they got mad at me. He was Italian. He's like, no, this is the thing we put all the time and money and engineering into. This is a beautiful package. And I get it, but nobody's going to buy it because they can't see it. Yeah. So we try to just think about See it through the eyes of the customer, right? See it through the consumer's eyes, knowing that our customers won't do several things. Mm -hmm. They won't bend, Mm -hmm. they won't reach, Mm -hmm. they won't read, Mm -hmm. they won't ask, and Mm -hmm. they won't calculate. So Mm -hmm. you have to do all of that for them. And the product has to do half of that, right? Mm -hmm. We can do our job in the store, display it beautifully, make a nice shelf talker, but if that product doesn't speak to someone on the shelf on its own, it probably won't be successful. So, we the other thing you know, we want to know from if, if we we always looking for great deals, right? We want to deliver value to our customers, that's our buyer's job, deliver great value to our customers. And so, price, promotional pricing, uh, introductory pricing, things like that all help to get trialing, which is what we all want, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so. It comes down to a bunch of factors, right? And it's not always price. It could be terms. It could be, uh, it could be a, just an easy vendor to work with. Somebody says, "Hey, look, you know, if you run low, just call me at home, and I'll drop it, drop a case by." Um, that makes it really easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Just one more question left in this
2: segment. What has been the biggest surprise about getting involved in the specialty food trade, especially coming
3: from a different industry entirely? The biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's that's so easy. Here's the thing. So when I started in the business, I had a there's a newspaper man in our town who, you know, he was kind of man about town, he'd write about things. He was writing about our store before we opened and he was interviewing me the week before we opened and he asked me, Why did you choose the business of pennies? Mm-hmm. And I looked at him funny because I didn't I'd never heard that before. Um, And I went on this long tirade. I hadn't opened my doors yet. And I said, oh, no, we've got this figured out. We've we can make margin in this thing. We've got this figured out. We didn't break even for three years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, boy, was he right. So the biggest surprise was it is really hard to make money in this in this business. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, Mm -hmm. you know, you can you can you can get by. But boy, if you want to make money. (laughs) Yeah, going to tech. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you so much for all,
2: for all these, uh, this insight that you're, that you're providing. Um, we're almost out of time, but before you go, we'd like you to participate in our final segment. Take five. Five questions for our guest. First, let's pause for a break.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com.
2: Hello again, and welcome back. I'm George Hager of SFA, speaking with Pete Marzik of Marzik Fine Foods. Okay, here are your five questions for our final segment, take five. Shoot, one. What is your favorite thing about the specialty food industry? The people. Two, what's one thing that the SFA has made easier for you? Oh, man, one thing. Um, Connections. If you weren't running a grocery store, what would you be doing?
3: I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really don't know. (laughs) I've been doing it so long now. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I understand. (laughs) Fly fishing. Fly fishing, skiing.
2: <laughs> All of the above. What's one piece of advice you give a budding food maker or retailer?
3: Don't quit. Trust yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. How do you define specialty food?
3: Oh, that's a funny one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I define specialty food as, as the food that you wish you could find everywhere but it's only in your specialty markets <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: you know curated uh special stuff that is better yeah. more delicious deliciouser food <laughs> i love that deliciouser food yeah. deliciouser
2: <laughs> yeah great tagline a big thanks to pete marzik for joining us today and you can find out more about this show at specialtyfood.com and heritageradionetwork.org and remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts Come back often to get to know the people who are shaping the future of food. Special thanks to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. This is Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast.
1: Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast, is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.